I tell you to be different and creative and think this way, a much used business cliche. Kayla. What is outside the box? You got it. We're flying high with the wings and talking all things lacrosse. You're now listening to the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on otb nation welcome in to episode number 219 of the allegedly award nominated honorably mentioned and of course now viewable on youtube outside the box podcast it's kb and coach deej coming at you with one hell of a, a recording time the nfl draft round one just ended and it's uh it's about 1 a.m so it should be a fun sleepy haha's episode of otb for the people uh, we got a lot to dive into. It is the final week of the regular season for the NLL. We're going to get into a recap of week 21. Get into our picks. that have The regular season picks coming down to this week. I'm four games back. It's going to be a fun pick segment this week. We also have a PLL draft date. Uh, an app gets launched. And we have our very first YouTube edition of a Colin Squires Top 5. But before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at OTB Laxpod, Twitter, Instagram. Follow DJ at SCS underscore Nick's great on Twitter. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feeds, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But leave those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple, Spotify, it really helps the algorithm, helps more people find the show, and gets more people involved in OTB Nation. And, of course, if you leave five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, we'll read them on the show. And we've been saying it all the time, but continue to do it. Subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. Hit the like button on all the videos. Click the bell icon so you don't miss a single video that goes up on the channel. Comment down below on all the OTB videos. Get the conversation flowing on the comment section and join our communities on twitter we want to build that up going and uh ready to rock and roll throughout uh you know the nll playoffs and of course going into the pll season uh so do all that good stuff and of course check out our sponsors who make this show happen tomahawk shades best small batch eyewear in the game go to tomahawkshades.com use promo code usp for 25 percent off at checkout that's promo code usp at tomahawkshades.com 25% off. You're getting things for three quarters of the price. You can't beat it. TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP. And of course, Kenwood Beer. Go to KenwoodBeer.com. Use that Kenny tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. After tonight, I'm sure the Kennys are flowing since A.J. Brown is now a Philadelphia Eagle. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And of course, guys, please drink responsibly. What's going on, Coach Deej? It's been a pretty solid day. Pretty solid day. Got 
official shout out and introduction as league mod for the PLL. Hell yeah. So that's up and running. Hopefully we get uh, everybody into that. So if you're not into the PLL discord yet, go ahead and get in there. Uh, Once we get that up and rolling, we got conversations really popping off. They'll give mods individual teams to be kind of team captains for. Uh, Obviously hoping to get my Redwood boys, but if I don't, I'll be rocking with some other team and I'll probably be talking to a few of you guys about your favorite players and what's going on in the season. So looking forward to that. Uh, Had a game today. I mean, hey, my boys played hard again, continuing to get better. Looking forward to next week, next year, all that good stuff when we start uh, really giving these teams games they can look forward to instead of uh, games they can have guys playing positions they don't really play and scoring goals they they never score. Um, (laughs) And I did get a three-minute non-releasable today. Because get in the box, bitch. <laughs> literally, because <laughs> one of my kids uh, had a, a bad mouth, and I addressed the ref about not making a quick restart call instead of addressing my kid about his bad mouth. And the referee did not like that and gave me a three minute non releasable. <laughs> um, it's electric. I, I did get approached about being a summer coach this year as well. So. I'll be doing some summer ball and, and uh, coaching a few of my kids that are currently on my team that play summer ball as well. So that'll be rolling. That does mean I'll miss about four or five of these PLO weekends, which does suck. But um, the ones I'd be at will be even more electric for the fact that I'm missing some. And, um, yeah, I'll be excited to be coaching this summer. That's that's what's rolling with Coach Deej. I'll hold down the, the tailgate Bino league, though. Because the Underground Sports Philadelphia Bino League is going to happen. I have a whole concoction in my brain, and we're going to have Summer League. That's literally me and you. Just tag-teaming all these lax dads in the parking lots. And uh, the boards are coming tomorrow. Oh, yeah. By the time you guys are watching this, the boards will be at HQ. So, very excited um, to start getting practice in so we can kick some ass. And I'm going to need that. I don't know if you're going to have to send it to me or pick it up on one of my my way out, uh, flying back home or whatever. But that Minneapolis weekend, I'm pretty sure I'll be going solo. So I'm going to need that to, to keep our streak going and hold Hell it down yeah. while, you're, while you're chilling at home watching Facts. on the screen. <laughs> We're just live stream from wherever you are. Oh, I just commentate. <laughs> <laughs> Electric new Binyo board league, amazing! It's gonna be. I have this whole idea that I'm gonna have to tell you about. It's just been formulating in my brain. I was like, "This is gonna happen. We're gonna have Binyo content on the YouTube channel. It's gonna be yes. unbelievable." I was like, yes. "We're gonna have relegation. We're gonna have match play. We're gonna have league play. Whole thing. It's gonna happen." Fantasy HQ. We got the Binyo board league going with the live stream on YouTube. It's gonna be unreal. We're gonna have like freaking Binyo March Madness. <laughs> Uh, let's get into the week 21 recap of this past NLL week. Crazy week, four games, the two that mattered went my way for once. It's been a while since I've gotten games to go my way, uh, to recap those games. The Nighthawks stun the Alterna Cup champion at Calgary Roughnecks 15 to 7, the Halifax Thunderbirds hold it down against the Island Boys, 16-13. Georgia beats Panther City, 
unfortunately for us. Uh, 12 to 9. And then my boys out in Saskatoon held it down for Sask Rush Hulk and win 17-14 over the slumping and struggling San Diego Seals. Deed, your takeaways from this mini Week 21 slate that we had that you unfortunately went 0-4. Uh, I'm never using secret stuff again because it did not work for me. <laughs> uh, where has Rochester been all year? Because uh, 15 to 7 against Calgary is. Huh? Because Calgary just won how many games in a row and just looked almost unstoppable? Like, and all of a sudden, here comes Rochester out of nowhere. That was bonkers to me. I think I texted you. I was like, do you see this score right now? Like, I. It was like 8-1 at halftime. Jaw was on the floor. I was like, I cannot believe this. Um, what else happened this week? Oh, Panther City losing as well. I didn't That's see that tough. coming to Georgia. It was a tough game for me to call because, like I said, with playoff standing That was the, the line, toughest game. Oh, yeah, with playoff standing on the line, Lyle Thompson steps up in big games. That's what he is known and for. And not only did Lyle, Miles Thompson stepped I, up in a big game. Yeah, I was going to say in – He's one of those players that when he steps up, it kind of just demands the rest of his team to step up at that level and play with him. He can't do it alone, and they understand that. It's almost like it's it's a lead-by-example kind of thing. He doesn't have to tell them to do it. He just starts doing it, and they're like, well, if Lyle's on that type of time, we're all on that type of time. So Georgia kind of just stepped up because he did it, and, and that was a big takeaway. I think they're stepping in the right direction heading into playoffs, and that's that's the momentum they need. But that was that was pretty much it for me. Not surprised to see Saskatchewan uh, win their last home game of the year, especially for uh, Sash Rush. But it was it, or Sash Holt. Um, but for me, it was it was the oh that game. I was trying to win one. Really, I was trying to trying to boost my odds and then keep things going. And we both me. said it too. I was nervous with that pick, honestly, taking Saskatchewan. And like my only like real reasoning was like they were two and zero under their interim head coach. Um, but like we were both like San Diego, like they've lost five in a row. Will they lose six in a row? We doubted it and it happened and they don't look great. No, I don't know what it is. Frank, the tank started the year as unbelievable looking like the best goalie to ever step out on a box field. And it's been real bad for him in that defense recently. They, They've kind of taken a slip. And that was not the side of the ball I expected to take a slip, to be honest. I expected anything to be the offense. That's kind of how that goes. Defense does their thing. They play well. The offense goes in a slump. And you can't really do anything with that. We saw it happen with Philadelphia this year on countless times. Their offense just didn't have it. And their defense wasn't playing that bad in those games. But if you're only putting up five, six goals as an offense, you can't expect to win. Yeah, and then Halifax gets a much-needed win. They punched their ticket to the playoffs. Um, I mean, that was another tough game to call just because of how well New York's been playing. So I couldn't knock you for taking your New York Riptide. Um, but that wasn't like all of these games outside of the, the Nighthawks Calgary game were all very close. They were back and forth games and uh, very entertaining short week of NLL action. So. To go over the standings for everybody, and I will also bring up the playoff scenario for everybody heading into this weekend. Looking at the East, Buffalo, that top seed at 14-3. and three. Toronto, the two seed at 12-5. and five. 
Halifax clinches their playoff spot. Like I said, they are at 10 and 7 in that three seed. Georgia sits at 9 and 8 currently in the four seed. Albany sits in the wild card spot currently at 8 and 9. Philly at 8 and 9 on the outside looking in. But if the Wings win against Georgia this weekend, they are in. No ifs, ands, or buts. They are in one way or another, whether it's the four seed or the wild card. The Riptide sit at 6 and 11. Uh, and the Rochester Nighthawks at four and thirteen, and then the West, it's Colorado at ten and seven, San Diego at nine and eight, and Calgary at nine and eight. All three of those teams locking up their playoff spots. Saskatchewan and Panther City both at seven and ten, and then Vancouver at six and eleven. That's the standings right now. There are playoff scenarios going into this weekend, though, and I'm going to bring those up. Uh, the homies over at Lacrosse Flash did a very great job breaking this down. Um, I'm gonna bring this up here. I believe it is. Here we go. Yeah, Evan Schemenauer blog this up here. So here we go. This is how the playoffs look right now. Um, the top three in the West, Colorado has a 50% chance to finish with the top seed in the West. Um, they finish first with a win against Calgary, regardless of what the seals do this weekend. Uh, they finish second with a loss to Calgary and a San Diego loss to Vancouver. They finish third with a loss versus Calgary and a San Diego win against Vancouver. San Diego has a 25% spot. Uh, 25% chance at the top spot in the West. They get first uh, with a win and a Calgary win. They get second with a Colorado win, regardless of how they perform. And then they uh, finish third in the West with a loss and a Calgary win. And then the Roughnecks, the defending champs, have a 25% chance to finish with the number one seed, DJ. They get the first seed with a win and a San Diego loss. They get second with a win and a San Diego win. And then they get third with a loss regardless of what San Diego does. So that's the breakdown there. Uh, so here's the East and the crossover with the wild card. Uh, Buffalo, obviously going to finish first. Toronto will finish second. Halifax can't finish worse than fourth. And only Halifax and Georgia can finish third. So Halifax at 10-7 and seven right now. They finish third with either a win versus Rochester or a Philadelphia win versus Georgia. So that's where that all kind of plays out and everything there. Um, I mean, Halifax really saved their season with that win this past weekend, which is good for them. Um, they finished fourth with a loss to Rochester and a Georgia win over the Wings. They have a 75% chance to finish third and a 25% chance to finish fourth. Georgia finishes third with a win and a Rochester win. They finish fourth with a win and a Halifax win. They finish fifth with a loss and an Albany loss to New York. They're out of the playoffs with a loss and all and an Albany win versus the Riptide. So they have a 25% chance to finish third, fourth, fifth, and a 25% chance at missing the playoffs altogether. Albany at eight and nine. They finish fourth with a win and a Philadelphia win against Georgia. They finish fifth with a Georgia win against Philly, regardless if they win or lose. Uh, 
They are out with a loss and a Wings win. So Albany has a 25% chance to finish fourth, a 50% chance to finish fifth, and a 25% chance of missing the playoffs altogether. The Wings, they finish fourth with a win and an Albany loss. They finish fifth with a win and an Albany win. They are out of the playoffs if they lose to Georgia. So they have a 25% chance to finish fourth, 25% chance to finish fifth, and a 50% chance to miss the playoffs. So that's the playoff scenario going into this week. And then there's a whole bunch of tiebreakers that you guys can read in the article at Lacrosse Flash explaining why Saskatchewan and Panther City are out, even though their records are still kind of there. It's a bunch of tiebreakers with Albany because Albany beat Saskatchewan. They beat a whole bunch of teams. And then uh, Albany has like a one point like strength of schedule tie or something over Panther City. So that's why those two teams are out. Great playoff scenario explanation there. So go check that out. Lacrosse Flash. Shout out to the homies. Um, This is exactly what the NLL needed this year after the long hiatus being off from COVID after just the ESPN deal coming through, the TSN deal coming through, they needed like the chaos that is going to be this weekend for playoff scenarios clinching. And I can't think of a better weekend with so much on the line for every single team, even if they have a spot clinched for the playoffs already. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the perfect scenario because like looking at the beginning of the year, first couple, about the first month and a half, it looks like teams were literally going to run away with the season. You could just about pick the playoffs and about how far teams would get and who's going to win. And then trade deadlines started coming up. Teams started making massive moves and everything completely shifted. Teams started losing games that looked like they shouldn't have lost. Teams started going on runs, winning four, five, six games in a row. And everything mixed itself up. And now nobody really has a guaranteed spot in the playoffs except for I think, well, I shouldn't say playoffs, like a guaranteed uh, seed in the playoffs. But Buffalo. Buffalo is in Toronto. And Toronto. Buffalo and Toronto are the only teams who are set in stone. And know where they're playing. Know where they're playing. They're both playing at home, and they know that. Everyone else this week determines that. And I think with all the new fans coming in, all the new perspective eyes that have never seen lacrosse, to see a season like this is the perfect thing you need, especially with – a team with a mascot like Vegas coming in. You, you need some help. <laughs> Which I totally forgot that we uh, haven't brought that up yet. So we're going to bring that up now before we get into. No, we state. brought that up last week. True. But now it's officially announced. The Desert Dogs are here. Their branding is here. Their colors are here. Um, the Las Vegas Desert Dogs, we, we were kind of tipped off to the name uh a few weeks ago per sources we didn't leak the name or anything um just because we didn't want to have you know the big nll laser dot on our head and, and blasting our brains to smithereens uh but the desert dogs have arrived initial reactions were very mixed online i would say um i think the more i've taken in the logo and the more I've taken in the branding, for me, I have two gripes. One, it does. I saw somebody remove a part of the logo, and they tweeted like all the the aspects of the logo out. It didn't need the lacrosse sticks. If you take the lacrosse sticks out, 
it's such a better looking logo than it is with it. I get what they're trying to do, but you don't need the lacrosse sticks. Shout out to Jerry Ragnese. He tweeted at, uh, about it. Our brothers in Christ. We don't need to put lacrosse sticks in everything. Um, it looks so much better without the lacrosse sticks. And I'm hoping on the jerseys, it's just the logo without the lacrosse sticks on it because it'll look so much better on a jersey that way. My other gripe is this whole buildup that you've had for over a year almost with your hashtag coming in hot. To then reveal a logo and a branding that's black and white drives me crazy. I love you, Vegas. I love, I love your front office. I love your ownership group. But you're coming in hot, and there's no yellow, there's no orange, there's no red. One of those three, if not two or all three, should have been involved in this logo. And it it just it it sucks that like, you know, we just had Calgary rebrand to black and white and gray. Now we have another black and white team. Can we just have some like what what is with the teams going with just grayscale uniforms? I don't understand it. That drives me nuts. But the more I've looked at the logo without the lacrosse sticks, it's kind of grown on me a little bit. But I damn well know that teams are going to use that L on the forehead in so many different bad ways whenever they lose games. Not the smartest marketing idea because that thing is going to be weaponized against you on social. I like how it makes an L and a V, though, at the same time. Yeah, I I did see that, and I was like, okay, that's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And, I mean, as far as grayscale, I understand to an extent. I'm getting new jerseys as we got a grant for those. Uh, I talked about that a little bit last week. Also found out that they're granting us only the same amount they would give our women's team. Obviously makes sense with Title IX, but they'll reimburse our account for whatever money we spend extra. So jerseys are free. Um, but we're going black and white because navy blue, maroon, and white do not go together. Our jerseys right now look awful. You so need powder blue in there. <laughs> so we're going black and white um, to you know still symbolize. So I understand the grayscale, but I agree. Red, red, yellow, orange, all three. I was really thinking Atlanta Blazish when they said they were coming in hot. I was thinking something along that colorway. We didn't get that. I was I was really upset. Lacrosse sticks was also big for me. Like I understand, it kind of gave me a, a Ducks Anaheim Ducks kind of feel mm-hmm. with their old school jerseys, which I understood that probably had some initiative from Wayne, Joe Sy, and and Steve Nash and Dusty Johnson's probably just like, hey, I'm here to give money. <laughs> like it wasn't a big deal to him. So um, yeah, I. I don't 100% like the logo. I don't have a problem with it. But the L is going to be great because I know Panther City, Halifax, San Diego, Rush. Subtly Philly will get in there. Philly, for sure. Like New lose York. To, lose to those teams, they're dropping an L on you big time. Colorado. And they're, and they're using your logo. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> they are going to do like the zoom in thing. And it's like, I don't know. My, my biggest gripe with the grayscale thing is that it's in the same division as Calgary. So now we have two teams with black and white. Like, that sucks. And it just, like, the whole marketing campaign, in my opinion, is just, like, null and void. 
Like, you went from this whole thing, and then there's no color. There's no hotness. It's just black and white. It's like Spy and Spy. And yeah. that was kind of a letdown and a disappointment. In terms of the expansion teams, um, I mean, again, like, it's tough. The it's it's definitely in my opinion like worst if not second worst expansion team logo that we've gotten since we've been covering the league because in in the era of otb the expansion teams have been the wings and the seals together those are two awesome logos um halifax we got rebranded rochester we got uh, Vancouver rebranding from the Vancouver Stealth to the Warriors, and we got Albany, and now Panther City, and then Las Vegas. In your opinion, how would you rank them? So it's Philly, San Diego, Halifax, New Rochester, uh, oh, the Riptide, Panther City, Rebranded Vancouver from the Stealth to the Warriors, Albany, Las Vegas. Best to worst. Yeah. Seals. Riptide. Panther City, Albany, Wings. Interesting. Don't forget Halifax. Okay, I'd put Halifax above Wings. Wow, you really don't like the Wings logo. Actually, I even put Halifax above Albany. And then... You got Vancouver, Rochester. Vegas, Vancouver. Vegas. Vegas, Vancouver, Rochester. And I only have Vegas at three because it has... Like third worst because it has potential if they take the sticks out. Like if they rebrand it and that, and I gotta see the jersey still. Yeah, and like there's there's possibility for that to be good. But like my thing with like they could even jump wings in my opinion. Like the thing with the wings logo is it's basically just a W with some wings on the end. Like it's almost basic to me. It's history. I I mean I understand it, but like to me like it's not. If you ask me, the Packers logo is basic. I hate that. That block G needs to go. We got to. I mean, that. I'll say well, this logo is much better than what the old Wings logo was when it was just yes. a W. Yes. Like this at least has some flair. It actually has feathers. And that's why I have Rochester like so low because it's just an R with some little extended wings at the top. They like, do have that Nighthawk logo, though, that I think is very cool. Now that they need to use more often because I do like that. Um, and then. Vancouver is pretty much the same thing. Like it's just the black W. Like I, I can't boring. get with I can't get with the the letters. Like it's just boring. Please, like the Packers need to pull out the cheese head and just put that on the side <laughs> helmets. 
police. I think I would rank mine. Uh, obviously, I'm biased because it's my squad. Wings, Halifax. I love Halifax's logo. I think that's one of the coolest logos in all of sports. Um, I'll go Seals, Riptide. Panther City. And I think, like, Panther City and the Riptide are kind of on, like, the same echelon for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go Rochester because of that. The actual bird logo is fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go Vegas, Vancouver, Albany. I hate Albany's logo. And, like, I can't take you seriously when you put out a logo and then before you even stepped on the floor, you changed your logo. Mm Because if everybody remembers, they had a different logo before what they have now was their logo. I can't take your logo and your branding seriously if you get bullied into changing it because your logo looks like Stony Brook. (laughs) I mean, I thought the Stony Brook one would have been fine. Yeah, like it was whatever. It still probably would have been last place for me because it was like, meh. It was like a recycled logo. But this new one, it just looks like a, a freaking Five Nights at Freddy's Build-A-Bear. No. <laughs> Dude, tell me why. I'm trying to, I'm talking to my kids about decals for next year. And we're like, well, we need like a new mascot. They were like, we let's get a new mascot. I was like, all right, like we can talk about some stuff. I was like, how y'all feel about hammerheads? They're like, no, it's awful. I was like, Sharks rule. And I showed it to them. They're like, no, that's ugly. Not going to do it. I was like, all right, bro. Y'all, y'all have no taste. Y'all have no taste. Should just hit them with like, what about the great whites? <laughs> and just call we yourselves did. the sharks. They, 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 did, they did say like regular sharks. Why not just like regular sharks? I was like, dude, that, and you, could, could, you could go like open shark mouth. Yes. Yes. Like the, on the old school LA Riptide. Yes. Yes. I was thinking that. That'd be sick. Sharks are so cool. With our official KB made logo on the other side. Do you recognize the font I used? I haven't seen it. Well, the the one that I sent you, like the preview of it. Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't look to look. uh, Look to your left corner where your name is. It's OTB. (laughs) Oh. I had to put a little Easter egg in there. We get, we oh, gotta have the pod on the field. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, like initial reaction, I was kind, I was pretty disappointed with Las Vegas's logo. Sitting on it a little more, like there's potential. I just think there's some flaws with it, and I think my biggest overall gripe is just that it, there's no color. Like, give us a splash of color, at least one. You know what I mean? Like, give us a red. There's no red in the league anymore. Like, the Wings have, like, a third color red, which is fine. Albany has, like, a burgundy. But there's no red in, like, league needs a red. Colorado has, like, maroon. Colorado's maroon. Toronto has, like, a red, like, Canadian maple leaf situation going on. Tyson Geick brought up a good point, too. Like, the fact that a team hasn't done, like, a red and white or a blue and white, like, color scheme is mind-blowing. Yeah, that's, like, a a go-to. 
Even yes. a red, blue, and white. We haven't seen a red, blue, and white. Which I said Toronto progress. says, shit, we'll do all three, but <laughs> they're the only ones. And they're not even an American team. Right. <laughs> they do got they're Captain the only America. ones with, with red, white, and blue. They got Captain America, though. It's fitting. That's true. It's fitting. It's like we need more red in the Yes. League. Yes, I agree. We need, need more, more red. red. What's in, like? There's too much purple now. We need yellow. And I'm a big purple fan, but there's too much purple. You got Halifax, you got the Seals, you got Panther City. There's too much there. We need some yellow. Yeah, Georgia's like really the only team with yellow. But that's more and the gold. Wings. That's more gold. I mean, we need like yellow, like yeah. Hammerhead's yellow. Yeah. Um. Like, there's not enough diversity of colors. In, in the league's color schemes, we need to switch. There's too much orange. Buffalo, Halifax, Albany. Like, too much orange already. Too much black. Like, the black and white, like, and just like the stagnant colors. Like, you got Vancouver, you got Calgary. I mean, even Rochester's kind of like bland because it's just like one darker color with black and white. Need more color pop. Like Saskatchewan, great job. Lime green. Hit you in your face with it. New York. Orange and, and the teal. Looks great. Homage can, to the Islanders. Can we get pink? Wouldn't hate it. Can Give we us get... a Miami Vice chrome colorway. Something. Give us something. Give us another green. Like Give us like a forest green. Yeah. Like a, like a Redwoods green or something like that. Cause like army green, you can't even really see it, and then you got Saskatchewan that's neon. Like it was like that, like forest green type situation. Give us a blue. Like why is there not a team with a primary blue outside of Toronto? Can we get crazy? Can we get the North Carolina navy blue, baby blue? Please, please. That would be amazing. Or even just a classic Duke blue and white. I'm okay with that too. Next expansion teams, your rules. No black and white. No lacrosse sticks. And give us red or blue in your primary color scheme. Because now that I'm looking at the logos too, Buffalo has a lacrosse stick. Georgia has a lacrosse stick. Calgary has a lacrosse stick. And now Las Vegas. But like... Buffalo, Buffalo and Calgary, I get because they're like yeah. human almost, and Georgia's is like cool because it blends in. Yep, that's what I was thinking with all those. Like they they fit. It mm-hmm. isn't like standing out. Like those ones literally are like an eyesore. And then yeah, the Vegas. we don't need the crossing lacrosse sticks. It's so tacky to me. No offense, Las Vegas, but it's tacky. It's clip arty. Yeah, I didn't want to do it for our logo at all. Yeah. It looks Even, too much like clip art. And I, and I, cause I would have done it if I was going to do a shield, mm-hmm. but our girls team does a shield. So I didn't want to look exactly like them. So I didn't do that. So we're doing a sword situation. And okay. that's the only time it looks good really is, yeah. is with that shield in front. Yeah. Cause then you're playing into, you know, a medieval kind of, you know, look and that makes sense. But Which to just have crossing lacrosse stick. Mm, yawn. What? Chrome needs to do. I think they should drop an alternate that has 
a shield they and just have the crossing the crossed. Give me swords. Or even swords. Like one sword, one lacrosse stick that crosses behind the shield. I'd be I'd be down for that. Or just two crossing swords behind that. that, that yeah, that works too. Need that. Need that. But welcome to the league, Las Vegas. The Desert Dogs. What would you rate scale one to ten the name? Are negatives available? I'm giving it a 5.3 out of 10. Uh, it's a solid like three for me. Like, Cause why not? Why not just say coyotes? Agreed. <laughs> That's my thing. Like it's it agreed. just sounds so stupid. Just say coyotes. Las Vegas coyotes. It, it literally rolls too. It's fine. It looks like a coyote. Anyway. And we all know we're just gonna call them the dogs. So we do the water dogs. Yeah. What's yes. worse, desert dogs or water dogs? <laughs> They're like polar opposites of each other. A desert dog. Because, yeah. like, you could just throw your dog in the water and call it a water. Well, I guess you could take a dog out in the desert and call it a desert dog. Yeah, but, like, no. <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like you see more dogs in water than you do in a desert. True. And just, like, I guess, like, when you see the water dog's logo, it looks like a dog. Yes. It looks very cool. It doesn't look like a coyote. I think that's my thing for me. It's like, yeah, the logo looks just like a coyote. So why not call it a coyote? Right. We'll see. You the jer- the jerseys are still on the table too. Should have called it five Las Vegas foxes. That would have been cool too. Desert dogs just does not hit for me. Sand foxes. I just want to see what their mascot's going to look like. It's got to be better than that abomination that Albany has. Um, (laughs) That thing's a nightmare. Uh, Let's get into your state of the fandom. Now that Las Vegas has arrived as well, are they officially on the table, or do we still have to wait for the jerseys? Like I know they've been kind of just chilling in the background, but talk to the people, DJ, after this week. Has anybody been eliminated? Vegas is staying on the table. Uh-oh. They're staying right where they are, kind of just hanging in the background, though, because, uh, like I said, I, got, I guess I got to give their their social media team some time, uh, see what their jerseys look like. Um, and if that stuff look, looks good, I might be holding off until I get to see them play before I actually pick a team. Uh, might give them a fair chance, but if these jerseys do not look good, they are SOL and will be kicked rocks. Um, anybody that didn't make the playoffs other than New York is out the door. Wow, so Panther City's done. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked what they did this year. They had a lot going on. Um, their social media team is decent. They didn't have bad jerseys or color scheme, um, but I really needed them to kind of pop more as an expansion team. Um if I'm going to pick an expansion team as my go-to team, it's got to be either A, geographical, like for you, or B, um, they got to come out and really show, like have that chip on their shoulder. I like guys who play with heart and are like, hey, you guys thought you could just pass up on me? That's fine. I'll just go over here and ball out and make the playoffs and see what we do. But like they started off so slow and they made that push and it just wasn't enough. I'll say for me, Panther City, just as a whole, since they have been eliminated from the playoffs, they gave the most impressive performance of an expansion team uh, that I've witnessed 
outside of San Diego year one because they obviously made the playoffs. And it, they were a different situation where they were pulling – they literally pulled uh, half of the Saskatchewan Rush championship roster to their roster. Um, but Panther City impressed the living hell out of me for really being a roster of a lot of just – no, there's not like if you say hey you walk up to a lacrosse fan and be like name five guys on panther city's roster off the top of your head go not many people could do that plus i think we failed to remember that he didn't play this season because he's recovering from injury panther city's gonna have randy stotts next year that's a huge addition to that offense and like the more we've gone through it and like when we look back on the ryan Benesh trade too it's like oh yeah they're gonna have Randy Stotts with Patrick Dodds next year. Like, that team, they're they're make like I'll say it right now on April 29th, 2022. Panther City Lacrosse Club is making the playoffs next year. Book I it. like that. I like Book that it. prediction. I do not, I do not oppose that prediction. Um Panther City will definitely be one of those teams that I kind of just enjoy watching play. They're not league necessarily. Pass yeah, not necessarily rooting for them personally. I definitely will be a team that I don't mind picking and pick them because I know they're going to come out and play hard. They got good things going for them on the offensive side with Dodds and Stotts. Just not a team I can be like, yep, those are my guys. Something tells me they're, they're going to be, be what Colorado is to me. Panther City is going to be to you. I think so. I think so. I could rock with that uh, out on the West Coast. Colorado's, they're, they're a little too up and down for me. San Diego is too much of a powerhouse, obviously, because they're on a six-game losing streak for the air quotes. But they they're, they just have too many big names and too much of a almost like bandwagon air quotes around that because obviously not the best team. But it's like, oh, yeah, I'll just ride with San Diego because they got a 1,000 guys I know kind of thing. And then no one else out west really excites me. So it's like I could de- they could definitely be my out west team. If, uh, and they'll end up winning like some big game next year, and that'll be like that's where you hit your wagons. Because that's how that's why I'm with Colorado. Because everybody knows the famous story. I picked them to go to the championship game back in 2019 as a four seed, and they almost did the damn thing. So I love the boys. Um, state of the fandom, though, only New York survives missing the playoffs. Your New York Riptide. You love those motherfuckers. <laughs> they, they, they do got a little little special. They probably special got a little post-game. juice, too, because John Boy did a breakdown of them this week. That definitely helped out. That was hilarious. <laughs> Shout out to Connor Kieran and Kieran McCardle getting the John Boy treatment. Um, but, yeah, so only uh, a few teams left, potentially. We'll see if... Uh, DJ actually picks a full-blown team or if, you know, he leaves it open-ended. We, we always said it could be open-ended by the end of the year, so we don't know if that will be DJ's team or not, but that is the state of the fandom. And with that... We forgot to mention that New York has blue jerseys. They have true. the dark, they have the the dark Navy, blue. Yeah. yeah. They're, like the, they're the only team, though, that has like a, a base blue jersey. Oh, Georgia has their base blue as well. We don't have a royal blue outside of Toronto. No, we don't, and I think we do. We need, need more of that. A, a bold blue, even mm-hmm. if it's not necessarily an electric royal. blue or yeah. like a Chargers powder blue. Yes, something that's like blue. Yes, because we don't really have that. Most important segment of the season. Time to feed some ducks. 
Ducky. Time to hone in on our pick'em skills. It's the Week 22 NLL Picks of the Week, powered by Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com, start playing the hottest headlines in sports. We should have playoff props for you guys all playoffs long uh, at playpickup.com. You build up your fan profiles, you earn points, cash them in for prizes on the pickup marketplace. Go to playpickup.com, start playing those headlines. All of these games going down on a Saturday. Saturday night in a world of possibilities. Shout out to the homies, the Arkells. From 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock Eastern time, we have NLL lacrosse with playoff implications on the line. And it all gets started. Down in Georgia, DJ, where the boy Scotty Ratliff and our favorite play-by-play duo are on the call for an nl or nl for a an east division matchup the philadelphia wings the georgia swarm playoffs on the line for the wings if they win they are in if georgia wins they have a shot at the three seed potentially the four seed potentially out of the playoffs for me you already know. I wore the hat for a reason. I'm channeling all the good vibes. I did it for the Sixers. I've been doing it for the Wings this week. I've been putting my jewelry on different ways, different different patterns of getting it on. I've been doing things to switch up the voodoo, switch up the vibes for the boys. I have history behind this pick. One, the Wings have beaten Georgia twice this season, so they know how to beat them. Two, for whatever reason, the Wings love playing in Georgia. The last, like, three times they've played down there, they've won. Don't fact check me on that. I'm positive it's been the last two. Don't know if it's been the last three, but something like that. They love playing down there. This team is so hungry to get to the playoffs. I don't see how they lose this game. They are going to find a way to win. Matty Rambo, Kyle Jackson, Kevin Crowley, Kyle Matisse, and the rest of the Philadelphia Wings. They're punching their ticket. They're going dancing. Give me the Wings. Give me the Wings, but I'm going to name two names you didn't name that are going to have an electric day on the offensive side and will be the key to your victory. Both of their names are the first. They both have the same first name. Corey, Vitarelli, and Small are going to have monster games for you guys this weekend. I do believe the Wings will do it. I don't think Georgia's going to step up and play, but I just don't think they'll first have First time enough. we're seeing Miles Thompson against the Wings, too, so that's a, a big defensive thing that they're going to have to key in on. Big defense, boys. Big D. I just don't think they're going to be able to keep that team out of the playoffs. There's so many guys on that team that are hungry, so many guys on that team that are used to playing in the playoffs. You can't you can't keep them out. You know, you can't keep a Rambo, a Kyle Jackson, a Blaze, a Corey Small out of the playoffs, uh, a Higgins out of the playoffs. These guys are used to playing in the playoffs. They're going to be back in there. I don't think Georgia can do it. 
The next matchup at 7 p.m. Eastern Time up in Rochester. The Halifax Thunderbirds, the Rochester Nighthawks. How do you see this one playing out, DJ? I think Halifax is trying to turn the tide here. They're looking to push and uh, get some good momentum going in the playoffs. They took care of business against the Riptide boys last week, so I think they're looking to build upon that, and this is a good game to do that, even though Rochester's coming off of a very impressive win last week. I think they have uh, just enough to keep things rolling and rolling the playoffs on a two-game win streak and actually make the playoffs since they're going to win. Give me Halifax. It's one of those things where Rochester's been on the do not pick list. The the numbers say don't pick them. Could they win? Sure. They did last week. But I think Halifax just has the talent to to really just, you know, keep the pressure on and, and not take their foot off the gas pedal in this one. Uh, so give me Halifax for a dub. The next game at 7 p.m. in upstate New York as well. The Albany Firewolves hosting your New York Riptide. This was a tough. This is one of the toughest picks of the week. Yeah, this was tough for me to call um, because it always feels good to ruin a team's chance at playoffs, especially when you're not making playoffs because you have nothing to lose. New York can go into this game playing balls to the walls because they know they're not playing for anything. The only thing they're playing for is a chance to ruin Albany's season. That's fun to play for. But Albany, on the other hand, is coming in with that fire like. We hold our destiny. If we we win, we're in. Like that's how they have to be thinking. So for that reason, I have to go Albany. I would assume that uh, Joe Nardella is going to have. It's going to be the Joe game. It's the Joe game. Joe Nardella and Joe Resiteris are going to have monster games because they got to step up. If Albany's going to win, those two guys have to have good days, or they'll be seeing they'll be watching playoffs from the couch not something they want to do so i expect those guys to step up call me crazy call me insane i like the way the new york riptide been playing lacrosse lately they've been moving the ball well they're doing hidden ball tricks jeff t potentially rookie of the year callum crawford doing the damn thing our boy, our guy, Kieran McCardle, playing real well. Connor Kiernan having a career year. And I like the way that boy Orleman has been holding it down in net. Give me the New York motherfucking Riptide to win this game, ruin Albany season. Because like you said, that's the one big thing they're playing for. Playing spoiler, playing upset. And I think the New York Riptide have the gusto to do it. They have the fight to do it. And they want to go out and end this season on a high note going into next year and going into this offseason to really say, okay, we've set the foundation for what this team is going to be. Let's build upon it and, you know, go into this offseason on a high note. Give me the riptide. They're taking this one home. I see what you did there. You, uh... I truly thought you were going riptide, and that's why I was letting you pick first. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I also saw what you did there trying to – Trying to persuade and give a little extra magic pick in the rib chai to help your oh, yeah. help your wings out. Oh I, yeah, I, I'm snipping all I'm snipping all this. No, no games getting by me. 
The next matchup. If only this were earlier in the season. 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Once again, this is the weekend of upstate New York. Buffalo Bandits hosting the Toronto Rock in an old-school North Division showdown. Nothing can really change here. Um, I'm going to be interested to see how they approach this game since both teams are locked into the seeds that they are in. Um, so this will be an interesting one to pick. If this, if Toronto had one more win than they do right now, this game would be far more interesting because it would be for the one seed. Buffalo's going for all types of records. They're just trying to be the best of the best. And that's why I got to go with Buffalo to win this game. This one's a tough one for me to call because I'm, uh, I'm thinking total coach think right here. Um, it's wild being a coach and the way your brain works. <laughs> even even just watching highlight tapes now, I'm like, oh, that kid should have done this instead of that, and that wouldn't even happen. Like, man, bro, coach coach brains are so different. Yep. I I'm wondering if either either of these coaches sit anyone. That's what I'm curious about too. Because neither one of these teams have a reason to go out and win this game, per Quote, se. unquote, have nothing to play for. L- literally, these teams have nothing to play for other than the fact that they have to play this game for the schedule. So And I the only thing really to play for, I think, in this of anything is Dane to set the points record. That and, like, bragging rights. Oh, yep, we beat you. Have fun. Yep. See, possibly see you in the playoffs. Like, see you in a couple weeks. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to see them sit, guys, and that's like, uh... But I still think sitting guys, Buffalo has a a deeper a deeper roster. Mm-hmm. Their roster goes deeper than uh, Toronto does. Toronto's good, not by much, but I agree. Yeah, like they're good. It's, it's like looking at a hockey roster. You know, like you look at at forwards and D. Most teams have a solid top two forward lines, and then you know two or three D lines. Looking at Buffalo and, and Toronto, you're looking at three or four very good forward lines you're looking at two three four five good lines of d as well so it's like what team can go that extra mile i think buffalo's got it just over toronto yeah it's gonna be a fun game depend no matter like what the situation is um the next matchup another game that really doesn't matter because both teams were eliminated last week 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, down in Fort Worth, Saskatchewan versus Panther City. This one's interesting. Because even though there's nothing to play for for these teams, there's a lot to play for in our picks. So we still have to kind of take this seriously. Saskatchewan is now 3-0 with their interim head coach duo that they have rocking. Panther City, final game of their season at home. Been playing well. I, I Even in a loss last week, I think they still played well. I hate picking against them. But right now, Saskatchewan has been one of the better teams over the last month or so with this coaching change. So I'm going to say Saskatchewan finishes on a high note and they're going to they're gonna win a close game against Panther City and finish 4-0 under their interim coaching staff. I'm on the prowl, bro. I'm on the prowl. They're going to be in Dickey's Arena, feeling good about themselves. Last home game of the year. It's a good way for this expansion team to go out on a high note. Patrick Dodds has had a great year. 
um, and they're starting to come together as a team and really set their identity and figure out what they want to do offensively, transitionally, defensively. Goaltending has looked great with Orlman. I, I got I got those Panther City boys. I think they got enough. And another reason I'm taking Saskatchewan, it's Jeff Shatler's final game. He's retiring after the year, so I'm going with the, the good vibes for, for number 77. Uh, the next game, this game, very important. 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern time out in Calgary. The Colorado Mammoth, the Calgary Roughnecks. First place in the West on the line. Dage, how do you see it playing out? You know, this guy's had a up and down year. Has gotten chased out a lot. But I think Dylan Ward steps up big time this week. Has a great game. Shuts down that offense with Superman, Jesse King, the uh, the Dixon, Dixon boys. I think he he handles that with great uh, with great pace. I think Pace has one or two goals this game. That's about it. Maybe an assist. But he really handles things in net, and Colorado takes care of business. So the way I'm looking at things, and being that we have one more game after this, and because it's our picks, obviously got to be strategic. I'm four games back. Right now we have two different games. Are you trying to power move this? Well, I guess we should we should bring up what we talked about pre-pod, and this would be the great time to do it before you make this decision to power move now, or do you just use your your smartness, right. go the right way, and power move later on? Because we will continue our records into the postseason. Like DJ will will have the the best regular season record, but the overall season title will come when the postseason ends. It's tough. These two teams have been playing really, really well. There's a lot on the line for both. But I do have to agree with you. I think Colorado finds a way. I think this game is going to be so close. Like, we are going to be sweating this one out. But I think Colorado comes away with a close win and takes it home. The final game of... The 2021-2022 regular season. The San Diego Seals on a six-game losing streak. Head out to Vancouver to take on the Warriors. Who can play big time. Spoiler. And lest we forget, DJ, this NLL season started with this very matchup. With Vancouver pulling a big time upset on this San Diego Seals team. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I feel this way. I'm going upset, baby. Give me Vancouver at home. They're rocking a fire Twitter logo right now for their theme night this week. And San Diego just looks like lifeless right now. They look like a completely different team than what they were to start this year. And I, I just, 
like I said last week, I can't pick a team that's on a five-game losing streak. I can't see myself picking a team on a six-game losing streak. So give me Vancouver to end this season the way it started with an upset win over the Seals. I probably shouldn't be doing this. I'm wild for doing this. Because this might come back to bite me. But power moves are power moves for that very reason. You take risks because chances make champions. I like that line. They may be on a six-game losing streak, but no way do they ride that into the playoffs. No way do they just let two teams place above them and put them in third because they couldn't beat the Vancouver Warriors. They're going to at least have a chance at the second seed, if not the first, because they potentially the third Warriors. They could end up in third, but their best bet to end up somewhere else is taking care of business themselves first and beating the Vancouver Warriors, which they kind of have some leeway with because they'll almost know their seed before the game. Yes. Everybody else has to play before them. So therefore, they'll kind of know, hey, we win this game. We got better chances at second or first than we do third. So they kind they can kind of already go heading in. But that makes me nervous. If I was the league, I would bump this game up to a 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern time start so everybody's playing at the same time. That's one thing baseball does really well and one thing the NFL does really well. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Bump it up, make everybody play at the same time. So you're don't not scoreboard anyone, watching. Yeah, don't give anyone any kind of advantage. But that also scares me because if they're scoreboard watching and they're like, well, there it is. We're going to be third. Probably shouldn't even take this game that serious. You know, but that, then again, we're, they're on danger of going into playoffs on a seven-game losing streak. Not something you want to do. So I think that's more of their concern is not going into the playoffs one on a losing streak in general, let alone letting it be seven games. So at best, I can finish one game behind you in the regular season right now. I'm curious if we should just do it for the discourse and I should flip one of my picks and still have four flip-flop games, four coin toss games, and a potential for a tied regular season. And then the playoffs mean that much more for us. Because I do have a game in mind that I could flip. Now, being the the nice friend, co-host, homie that I am, coach that I am. I'm going to ask you to think. Use your cerebral right here. If you take this gamble and you lose all of these flip games. It's a wrap. You are done Dusted. at at eight games behind. You're I'm done Thanos. eight games out. See ya. Because we have... How many playoff games would it be? I can't do math like that. It's one versus four, two versus three, one versus four, two versus three. So that's four. Move in, that's four more games. No, move in, that's, oh, wait, is it best of three, right? Well, that's not until the championship. Game. Okay, so it's one, two, 
three, four, five, six, and then a possible three. So nine at most. So you would have to go undefeated and I would right. have to just about lose every game. Right. If if you lost all four. That's a big gamble. It's a huge gamble. I mean, you're you're even riding coattails with three, to be honest. Right. Because even seven games makes it tough. Man. Should I tell you the game I'm looking at? Yes. Toronto and Buffalo. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I didn't see any other game that would. The only give other you game incentives. I would like remotely think about would be Colorado Calgary. But it's Toronto Buffalo. That's like this could be the one. Because be. right now our flip games are. Albany, New York, Panther City, Saskatchewan, San Diego, Vancouver. Man, this is tough. This is so tough. I'm sitting good here. I'm all right. I control my own destiny here. Driver's seat. How does it feel to be backseat driving? I'm probably not making this better with all this commentary. You know what? I haven't flip-flopped the pick all year. I'm going to keep that way. I'm going to go into the playoffs, potentially one game back. And just make the playoffs a, a fun little goose chase. Picks are set. And do I like it. that idea. I almost, I almost did it for the content, but I used that cerebral. <laughs> So our picks of the week. DJ's going with Philly, Halifax, Albany, Buffalo, Panther City, Colorado, San Diego. And I'm going with Philly, Halifax, New York, Buffalo, Saskatchewan, Colorado, Vancouver. That is the final regular season, week 22 NLL Picks of the Week, powered by the homies over at Pickup. Going to be a doozy. It is going to be a doozy. <laughs> I'm so nervous. <laughs> you are. I'm lose, so nervous. If I lose all these swing games, I'm in trouble. So one, game, one game back heading into the playoffs scares me because – Playoff is that, hey, just make it. And then things get wild. I wouldn't mind winning all skip games. Seven a seven game lead sounds good. One game back. That's what we need. I need I need the OTB nation to get behind your boy. They probably would. They probably want to see all that chaos. I feel like let's see. Let's let's just say things favor me. Going into that final game. It's 10 o'clock on Saturday. We should probably live stream. Stay tuned. We'll let you guys know if we do. Yes. We'll let you know. Obviously, it all depends on how the situation goes and how the games go. But 
if I'm 2-0 in the swing games, we might live stream San Diego, Vancouver for you guys so we can get live reactions. Get in that, get in that OTB Nation community. Yes. If he if he drops me a text when he starts losing games, I'm putting a <laughs> screenshot in the community. What <laughs> y'all know? Speaking of live streams, PLL draft dates here, May 10th. Let me tell you, my hellscape day job. I wanted to flip them off so bad when I saw that this was the draft date. 8 o'clock p.m., May 10th, it's Tuesday. I get sprung on me that we have inventory switched up from October to May. And what, what days of the week is it, DJ? It's May 9th, May 10th, and May 11th. A Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Three of my busiest days when I leave that hellscape. And I'm there for different hours and stuck there longer. So I'm going to have the absolute sleepiest of ha-has. During our draft stream, that's right. We're doing a we're doing a live stream for the draft. We are planning a lot for it, um, so stay tuned for announcements. With that, best place to do it is in the communities tab. Join in there. You'll get the first look. You'll get the first look at what we're plotting and scheming. Uh, but the draft date is May 10th, and the league tweeted out some of the biggest needs for every team going into the draft, going into training camp. And we're going to talk about them. PLL Draft, May 10th. Very excited to finally have a date. Um, feels like it's later than usual because the draft was happening like this week, this time last year. Um, but let's get into it. The Archers are the first team. We'll go the order that they were tweeted out in. And we'll see if we agree with these. I kind of just glanced over most of them, so I didn't really get into them. Um but the league tweets out the uh, Archers team needs. They have picks number 4, number 12, number 18, number 28, and number 29. Number 1, face-off. Archers rank number 1 in offensive efficiency at 33.4% and number 1 in defensive efficiency uh, at 26% in 2021. Their problem, they played more defense than they did offense. I feel like you and I both can agree. They need face-off help, and we kind of already have an inkling of who they're going to take with one of these picks, and it's that bad man from the Ohio State University, Mr. Inacio himself. He's a weapon. He's going to look great in an Archer's uniform. I would agree. I mean, I don't think there's another face-off guy in the country that you can say is up there with him other than either PB LaSala, obviously, or home guy out of Brown. I was looking at some stuff on Twitter. The kid has not gone under 50% all year. That means Brown can count that every other time they're going to get the ball. Every other faceoff, the ball is coming their way offensively. That is unreal to think about. To go at least 50% on the year and give your offense that many opportunities off of the faceoff, is ridiculous. So I wouldn't be surprised to see his name possibly slide up when we start talking about faceoff and team who needs him, and uh, possibly going in a second or third round because um, he's definitely got the skills to help a team out, especially in a pinch. You know, they're a wood scenario where their their star, excuse me, their star faceoff guy goes down. He would be the perfect guy to have as a backup. 
because he'll slide in and be pretty much synonymous with the guy you had as your starter. Granted, we stay strapped with the face off guys. Who got three of them things? Uh, <laughs> the next need for Archers, goalie. Drew Adams obviously retired this offseason, leaving Archers with only Adam Gittleman. Also, shout out to the boy. Happy belated birthday to Gitz. Uh, he's the only goalie on the roster. This draft class is deep with goalies, including Owen McElroy, who is eighth on Kark's big board, and Brendan Krebs at 15. Plus, the boy Drake Porter is still out there, everybody. Uh, I don't know if Archers will draft a goalie. Um, I mean, I, I think they could. I just don't know when, per se. I think they... It's one of those tough things that, like, you see... They, I feel like they kind of have to see how the board falls first before they try to think about goalie. Because um, there are guys out there in the player pool that you could also go sign and, you know, not have to worry about using a draft pick on and address other positions, you know, depth-wise or across the board on this roster. Um, potentially, you know, use one as thinking about the future-type pick as well. Um I don't know where. I, I think if they did go goalie, it wouldn't be until like number 18. I don't even know if that. I don't think they go goalie in the draft at all, to be honest. I think they go player pool with a guy like Gitz, who's pretty much your solidified starter after the year he had last year. I don't think you really press for that in the draft. You try and handle some other things you have going on or even uh, look for trades for, for teams who need um, some younger talent look to trade and grab a goalie off of their practice squad or, or one of their backup goalies. I think that's something they do. They go player pool, assign someone or, or trade instead of going draft. I don't think they really see a direct need for that right now to spend a draft pick on. Then the last need here is invert options. Uh, in four matchups against Chaos and Chrome, slow to go defenses, Archer shot 13.7% off the dodge in settled sets. They need a tertiary initiator to take pressure off Grant Amen and Tom Schreiber. I like Nakai or Brendan Nickturn for that. Yes, um, Brendan for me. Yeah, Brendan Nickturn. I see him playing that hybrid Jules role for them, but kind of more in a, with a Colin Heacock frame, being able to take that that short stick down low and run a total attack type dodge off of him from down low is almost unparalleled because who do you slide from on that archer's offense arguably no one so you're leaving your short stick defense on an island with brendan nick turn sounds like a goal to me 100 percent of the time no matter whether you slide or you don't so and then I, you I, run him with ryan ambler together like yeah but that's also why i think nakai slides in there too because he has mm -hmm. such that speed factor going ryan ambler and nakai on the same line with tom schreiber two speed and a shooter that's crazy. Or yeah. even running the two-man game down low with Ambler and Nakai with all of that speed is un is an unreal idea to think about, especially if they both pull shorties, which you would suspect, because how do you not pull Tom Schreiber? Yeah. Atlas have one of the more interesting drafts, which next week will be our draft preview show where I'll go YouTube big board on your asses. Uh, the next team here alphabetically is Atlas. They have picks number two, number five, number 11, number 13, number 21, and number 24. The first need on this list here is dodging midfielders. Atlas attempted more shots following initiations from the midfield than any team in the league, 
but only shot 22.2% on those looks. I mean, you got Westnowskis. I don't mind being a dodging midfielder because, I mean, with the attack lineups on all these teams, a lot of these attackmen coming out are going to become hybrid midfielders. Um, so, obviously, that's a good look for them. Um, I wouldn't mind them going with uh, – I mean, Nakai could obviously fit in there. Uh, Brendan Nickturn could fit in there. Asher Nolting could possibly play that hybrid role as well. There's it, When you need dodging midfield, you have so many options. Jonathan Donville, I mean, the list literally goes on and on because you either take an attackman or a legit midfielder, and that literally just loads your list up. So they, they kind of can go wild there and uh, just pick the one that they feel is, is going to give them a mix of speed, dodge, and shot. Their next need, long stick, Mitty. On the other end of of this whole discussion we just had, opponents shot 29.5% against Atlas when initiating from the midfield. Only Chrome's rope unit was weaker. Yikes. That just shows you how good everything else was for Atlas last year since they were the two seed and Chrome missed the playoffs. Got to get yeah. an LSM. You got to have a trusty LSM on this roster. And it was very obvious in a lot of matchups last year that that was a, a huge gap in their in their whole game plan. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times their poles got dodged on. Like, I can't tell you how many times I would look at teams crazy when they would come out and, like, dodge on me as a pole, like, Okay, I may not look like I'm that good, but you're not just going to disrespect me like that. I'm a pole for a reason. I play. I take your best midfielder because they're not going to dodge on me. Like, and and when you hear uh, the sideline on the side, you're standing on the sideline and you hear the coach go "good time" as he's lining up against a pole. You laugh because it's comical. But Atlas, time and time again, got dodged on. Like their poles got dodged on because they weren't good enough. You got to go, Kobe Smith. He's like the most electric LSM in the draft. He's the only one in the top 20. He is that good. He And he also yeah. offers that offensive, that leak out. You know, they make a save, boom, put it in a stick, and now you're instantly on offense. Like he's he is almost a short stick with a long stick because he can shoot it, he can pass it, he's fast. I think you got to go Kobe Smith. I'm just thinking of the shit talking. That would occur on this roster with Kobe Smith and Jake Carraway on the same roster. Lord have mercy. Uh, the final need on here, defensive depth. Returning starters Tucker Durkin, the boy Cade Van Raphorst, and Michael Rexrode are the only true close defensemen on Atlas's roster. Gotta get better on defense. Gotta have better defense. I've been saying that for years, that Atlas's defense spun around more than a New York City subway turnstile. Like, you, they need to figure out defensive depth because you can't just run Tucker, Cade, and, and Rex Road out there for an entire game and expect them to be, you know, fully juiced and ready to go for an entire run of four quarters. It just doesn't happen that way. You need depth behind them. I can't remember who the, the name of the kid out of Army. He's really good. Yes. And, I mean, you can take your pickings of the kids from Georgetown because they are gross. But don't expect Arden Cohen to be available because he, nope. he will be a, a first-round draft pick, 1,000%. And I believe in the top three, I believe to a certain team, uh, the Redwoods, because that is 
the best fitting spot for him. And they are the team that I feel needs a guy like him the most. We just got to be real careful because Atlas has the number two pick. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm real scared about that. I think they're gonna go LSM though. Like you can't, you can't keep getting dodged on on LSM. Like that is. I hope so. That's your stopper. <laughs> no, for real. But like, you need a solid LSM because like, not only would Kobe Smith get in on on ground balls off the face off, which is key. Like you got to come up with extra possessions, but he also adds to that defense. Like, like I said, you can't be getting dodged on, um, on your LSM because now you got three middies willingly dodging. Because you know you're going to dodge on your shorties. But then if you can dodge on the pole, too, it's like we can have a field day from up top. And if they slide, our attackman will just finish. You've got to address that LSM scenario. This one's going to be interesting. Cannons Lacrosse Club picks number 10 and 23. That is all they have. Their needs, according to the league. Short stick D midi. Zach Goodrich was like a fifth pole on the field for Cannon's defense, but opposing offenses had success dodging against the other short sticks. Yeah, that was pretty obvious last year. Zach Goodrich was like the guy, and then it was like, okay, what do we do now? Got to figure out that short stick deep midi position. Yeah, 100%. Like I said, that's that's who teams dodge on every time. You go on the shorties, uh, and then you want to look to draw a pole and dump and finish. Like that's ideal lacrosse every single time perfect scenario for them there's one guy most teams aren't looking for a short stick d mid there's one guy that is absolutely electric can play both sides of the field it's an absolute monster ground balls are what he loves he's physical he can get out in transition and he can actually shoot i've seen him ping corners in person and on tv unreal gotta go number eight out of maryland roman puglisi no other short stick team mid to really pick here. The next need, a righty picker for Lyle. Lyle Thompson shot 40% unassisted off picks compared to 16.7% unassisted off the dodge. His favorite picker, Paul Rabel, has retired. Who's going to play righty two-man games with Lyle on the wing? It's either got to be Logan Wisnowskis who I don't think will fall that low because he is that good, which is another tough thing for them, or Asher Knowlton. I think he provides a certain level of stick skills and and field vision that being able to slip a screen or come off, off a nice roll or pop and then make another dodge and something come off the play on the backside is something that Lyle could use to his advantage. Because now... He went from, oh, I got Paul, who's a little slower, more of a brute guy, doesn't dodge too much, likes to really just shoot, to a guy who can do literally everything. He went to, oh, I pretty much got to shoot off this pick to, I can shoot, I can pass if someone draws, or I can just roll back to Asher and we can completely reset. So I don't I don't hate Asher Knowlton going to the cannons. I'm also thinking now, wouldn't shock me if Atlas trades back and Cannons move up from 10 into the first round at that number five pick and kind of get that back. Wouldn't shock me. Just putting that out there in the into the ethos. Uh, the final need for Cannons is an heir to Brody Merrill. 
The greatest LSM of all time is entering his 18th pro season. He organizes the defense down low. Cannons need a high IQ defender to replace his role someday. I mean, what I'll say here is you can't replace Brody Merrill. <laughs> it's impossible. No. Um, you can try your best, but it, it won't happen. Uh, the next squad, the defending champs, Chaos. They have picks number six, number eight, number 16, and number 32. Their first need is a one-on-one -on -one defender. Johnny Serdic will be unavailable due to military commitments this season. Chaos needs a defender who can win on an island to play in their physical one-on-one -on -one scheme. Well, I'll tell you right now who they're not going to pick. <laughs> it's going to be the kid out of Army because they're not going to keep dealing with this. Yes. So pretty much um, they can pray and hope that the Redwoods don't take Arden Cohen. He slides down and they can scoop that up. Or they're going to take one of their pickings from Georgetown and they're going to get a great on-ball defender. The thing about the Georgetown close defense is they are all so interchangeable. It is something I've never seen before. They are three guys that you can put anywhere defensively on the field and they can get the job done. They can be the top cover guy on the X guy that day, or they can just be the one slide on the crease all day, or they can just cause havoc for that shooter out on the wing. Doesn't matter where you put them. They all can do the same thing. So I won't be surprised to see all of those Georgetown defenders get drafted and uh, make an impact on the squad. If I'm not mistaken, the boy, friend of the program, Jack Rowlett, is he doing a little coaching with Georgetown? He may or may not be doing their defensive coaching at Georgetown. Just saying. Just saying. Seems a little... Seems a uh, seems a little Chrome esque to me with Mr. Bernhardt and uh, a player they potentially traded for this past uh, season. And after uh, Chase Frazier hopping on the squad, word of Josh Byrne wouldn't be surprised to even hear of At hitting up Shaq first, asking if any of those Georgetown guys would fit into the system. Is that is that assistant GM Jack Rowlett? <laughs> Is he assistant to AT or assistant to Josh? Assistant to Josh. AT's <laughs> team president. <laughs> AT's president of lacrosse operations. Josh is the GM. <laughs> and Jack's the assistant. Oh. Uh, the next need here, Canadian scoring depth. I mean, I feel like they got a lot of that. But Andy Towers plans to dress four righties and four lefties per game. Anyone who fits their box on a field scheme could crack the offense. Pretty self-explanatory. We've seen that from AT the past couple seasons. We'll see if they add to it. Um, I mean, they're pretty loaded across the board right now. Um, but we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Uh, and then face-off depth, which we did not mention. An old friend has returned to chaos from the player pool. Tommy Kelly is back with chaos. Um, so he is currently their number two face-off guy behind Max Adler. Um, Iron Sharpens Iron Max Adler benefited from a competitive training camp in 2021 and bringing in depth for live reps instead of MP4s uh, of referee cadences will prepare for opening weekend. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't have... There's no such thing as enough face-off depth. Like, 
go get it if you can get it. I think Tommy Kelly being back with Chaos will be good um, because we saw what he did in 2019. And obviously, everybody had their ups and downs with the bubble, and I can't really hold that against Tommy. And then a new situation with, with Cannons wasn't the best for him, and then he was in the player pool. So I'm glad he's back with Chaos. Um, the next team, number one overall pick squad, my league pass team that I love watching, Chrome. They have picks number one, number nine, number 17, and number 25. Their number one need, according to the league, is a go-to initiator. Chrome finished last in offensive efficiency, 25.6% unassisted shooting percentage, 19% shooting percentage on shots initiated at X, uh, at 24.7%, and shooting percentage initiated by pick and rolls at 23.1%. Let's also preface this with Chrome's offense was in such a jumble last year due to injuries and just try, trying to figure out what they wanted to do. So those stats kind of make sense. Yeah, 100%. They they had a very tough year. Uh, they had a lot of question marks, a lot of injuries and stuff like that. Um, my thing with with this pick is everybody's expecting a certain someone that wears two different shades of blue to be a locked-in number one pick. I don't necessarily think so. Um, I think they should go midfield here or a guy that can switch into that midfield role. I think the attack lineup they have coming up is solid for them. They just need to give them time to actually mesh together. Um, Obviously, Colin Heacock came in during the middle of the season, had to get acclimated, and they were trying to run him out of that hybrid role for a while. It didn't really work out. And then Dylan Malloy came in with like four weeks left in the season or something like that. Give those three guys some time to come. Jackson Murillo, obviously being the third, give those guys some time to come together and and be a solid attack unit before you go and pick up Chris Gray, in my opinion. And I think you get like a Logan Wisnowskis or Asher Nolting or a Nakai Montgomery, someone who can initiate from the midfield because you already have a solid attack line. Well, I think I think Sudo might take Chris Gray because he might be able to get to Albany three weeks before everyone else. Because North Carolina not making that tournament, brother. I mean, you got a solid point there. I can't argue with that. Everybody else is looking to make everybody the tournament. Insert the Drewski meme. Well, I mean, he can go. He can go get Asher Nolting. I don't think High Point's gonna make the tournament either, unless yeah, they win the SoCon again. But that's not looking good because. Uh, Good old uh, sign two out of five pink border John Galloway is running those Dolphins down in Jacksonville. Shout out to the Finns. Them boys are running. They're playing uh, well. Great transition, though, here because the next need is goalie because John Galloway has been, uh, you know, the backbone of head coach Tim Sudan's teams for a decade. And with his retirement, the defense has huge shoes and sweatpants to fill. We talked about two goalies earlier. The boy is also out there who looked up to John Galloway growing up. Chrome, do us all a favor. Go sign Drake Porter. That's all I got to say. Do the thing. We do don't the do, thing. These, do reviews for no reason. Sign to hold me. Come on. Do the damn thing. Uh, and then the next need is offensive playmakers. One initiator won't change this offense overnight. Chrome's offense is at its best when it can attack from all four quadrants. Pretty self-explanatory there. Next one is very personal, DJ. This one is our boys. Redwoods picks picks number three, number 19, 
and number 27. Best believe Nat's probably plotting and scheming to go get another pick in here somewhere. Uh, the first need is a number one cover defender. Garrett Apple is at his best sliding. Eddie Glazner is the general inside. His defense needs an on-ball bully. You know what? We saw bullying work pretty damn well. Pretty damn well when uh, them fighting Irish took on them Tar Heels. Just saying. Just saying. Arden Cohen. Welcome to the woods. <laughs> Literally took candy from the baby Chris Gray. All day. And by candy, we mean that boy went scoreless. <laughs> took it from him all day. You can't say he's not the best cover guy in the draft right now. He's the only defenseman higher than 10 on the big board, I believe, right now. Like he, you, you, It might even be 12. I think the next highest is uh, the kid out of Army at like 12 yeah. or 13. So, so it's like clearly he's the best defender. Go get him, Nat. Go with get us, him. With us having this high of a draft pick, we got to go get him. If we can't get him, I think we steal one of those Georgetown guys before chaos can get their hands on him. Uh, obviously, because we want to stay away from what we're dealing with with Matt Landis and having uh, service reg- regulations you got to handle. The next one, transition threats. The Woods scored a league low. This broke my heart. 0.9 fast break goals per game in 2021. They need two-way threats who can turn their defense's hard-earned stops into scores. And that was our one of our biggest issues last year was the, the lack of scoring with the talent we had. It blew my mind, and it all came back to transition. Need transition threats. Whether it's in the draft, whether you go and use you know, assets to go and trade for somebody, they need to get more transition threats on this roster across the board. That might be a player pool slash trade thing. And I just don't know, you know, who you can go and really grab in this scenario. The only person I can really think of in the draft that provides that kind of go out after, you know, leak out and, and really provide offense is Roman Puglisi. But I don't see the Woods getting him before the Cannons can get their hands on him. So it's like a, you kind of got to go scouring within the player pool and, and find a sneaky guy that guys are sleeping on and uh, really put them to work. Because I, I agree. I think that's something we miss. I don't, maybe we go back to having uh, Miles and Serge stay on a little bit more and get them leaking to, to start the transition because they did that a lot in the bubble in 2019, and it worked. It's where a lot of mm-hmm. those two points came from as well. They they had the space to shoot in the, in the uh, fast break. So maybe we go back to that. There's a couple different things they could do with that. I wouldn't be surprised to see Nat not go in the draft to handle that specific need. This next one, I don't see us addressing in the draft at all because there's two of them on our roster currently. Uh, Off-ball shooters. This offense is full of Dodgers. Savvy off-ball players could fit well alongside RP3 and Miles. Uh, Yeah, their names are Ryan Lee and Clark Peterson. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know if they'll even address that at all. Like, even in, in player pool. Like, that was just the terms of what I mentioned in the Discord and even on the Twitter machine is the Woods don't have a need to get rid of or trade Garnsey or Kavanaugh or any of those guys down low. It's just a matter of figuring out 
an active roster that best fits guys up top. So we have options up there, but also having that shooter of Ryan Lee and or Clark Peterson on the inside to make defenses think about sliding or have that option when they slide to dump it inside and finish. But I brought up that the Woods, I don't believe, lost a game with Ryan Lee or Clark Peterson in the roster for that simple fact. Yeah. You don't need to address that in draft. Use use draft picks for the other two things. Be good. Uh, the Water Dogs. Picks 14, 22, and 30. One of these things is so much disrespect, and I can't wait to get to it. Uh, but number one, midfield depth. Head coach Andy Copeland dresses more midfielders than any coach in the league. Depth and youth between the arcs is key. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, and there's plenty of it here for the Water Dogs to go and get. I think they could potentially trade up from 14 uh, to go and get one of the bigger name guys. I would love to see Donville on this team. He'd be very, very fun. Um, it wouldn't shock me if Andy Copeland's trying to plot and scheme and trade with Atlas to get into you know that top five and potentially take Donville. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Donville. I like Nolting going here. Possibly Nick Turn could look well here. Nakai could also mm-hmm. slide in. I think with their very Canadian theme, they're missing a element of speed almost to a point. They have Sowers, but he's a little more savvy. And they have uh, – who's the other one I'm thinking of? I believe it's McCardle. Uh, yeah, because it's, it's Sowers, Kieran, um, and Ryan Brown. Yep. And Reeves. Uh, I think he's well, going Ben's to on the holdout list, yeah. Yeah. So he's not going to play this so year. So that opens but yeah. up a spot on the roster now to kind of play with things. Plus you have Ethan Walker who opened up their offense and changed their whole season last year. Yeah, I think you kind of need that speed piece. You don't have like a, a pure guy that's kind of just speed. I'm really excited to see who they go with if they do decide to go with speed because they do have a couple options pretty much with Donville uh, and Nakai or if they decide to kind of go brute strength and a guy that's a little more well-rounded with Asher or uh, Brendan Nickturn. Um, but, yeah, they have they got to address that speed piece, in my opinion. This next one is so disrespectful. I don't even want to read it. That's how disrespectful it is. They put goalie on here. The listing says, Consummate pro Charlie Cipriano retired this offseason. Who backs up Dylan Ward? See, that's why Ben said we should have traded for Matt DeLuca. I know that ain't who I think it is. The disrespect to Matt DeLuca is unreal. He's on the roster already. They don't need to draft a goalie. Get out of town. Next, a Swiss Army knife. Versatile players. A tagman who can play midfield. Midfielders who can take face-off wings are valued highly by the water dogs. I feel like this is disrespectful. I think this is more, since it's the third one, I think it's more depth behind the guys they already have. I I mean, you asked me, that guy Mr. All-Around already. Well, yeah. It don't get better than Zach Curry. They got got Cag Zurier, and they got Reed Bowering. Like, hello. What do you want? I guess the only other one I can think of is Brendan Nickturn. He he slides into that, I think, perfectly. He's a guy you can have play attack if someone gets hurt. He can run that hybrid midfield role. And if you need him to go in and get a ground ball off the wing. It's like him and Donville. 
Wouldn't be surprised to see him do it. Donville, the same thing. I think Nakai could also do that. Mm-hmm. He has the speed and, and he has the skill, the handle to do that as well. I just don't know about him playing defense at all. Yeah. Or even Don, I don't even know about Donville playing defense. I think Nick Turner could hold his own. He's got a nice mm-hmm. base to him, good size, all about how he moves his feet in that terms. But I think he has a better chance defensively if he gets stuck or if they need him to play a two-way than Nakai or John or Donville does. So much disrespect to the dogs. Uh, the Whip Snakes, they have picked 7, 15, 20, 26, and 31. Their number one need, according to the league, is a short stick D midi. Opponent shot 30.4% off the dodge against the Whips in 2021. They ran by short stick matchups, which led to more slides than usual and less consistent goalie play. I think it helps that you have a certain somebody returning. But. There's always room for depth, and you know one guy doesn't change the whole thing. And I think you and I both agreed all of last season that midfield was like the biggest gaping hole for this Whipsnakes team across the board. Whether it was D middies, offensive middies across the board, like they struggled midfield wise. So getting short stick D midi help will be huge for them. Yeah, I think getting Doctor Ty Warner back is huge. Um, also, I. Wouldn't be surprised to see them not necessarily address this in the draft, but go player pool or go trade. Because um, like I mentioned earlier, there's not really a lot here in the draft, it seems. But also wouldn't be surprised to see these teams that need these transition pieces or these D-mid pieces to find a diamond in the rough out there that hasn't really shined per se as a D-mid, but turns out to be exactly what their team needs. The next need. A dodging midfielder. Athletic, unselfish midfielders willing to hit singles. Keep this Whip Snakes offense humming. If you can draw a slide and move it to Matt Rambo or Zed Williams at X, you can play on this team. Again, we said midfield was the biggest issue for this team last year. It's a big reason why they lost the championship game, in my opinion, um, because they just didn't have enough to, to really keep up with everything chaos was throwing at them. Go get your midfielders, Whips. It's the biggest thing that they've been missing over the last two years. Final need, off-ball shooters, which I completely agree with this. Um, every Whip Snakes defender had off-season surgery following the championship series in 2020. When healthy, they're the most dominant defense in the league. But the Whip Snakes need a plan for when they're not. Couldn't agree more. They need those off-ball shooters. They, they have so many guys that are on-ball and, and are willing to crash the net and you know, just do the dirty work. You look at their their three key offensive guys, Rambo, Zed, and Jay Carlson. They're all guys that get, you know, pretty close to the net. They, they crash. They do a lot with the ball in their stick. You need those off-ball guys to really kind of lengthen and expand this offense for them to continue to be successful. Yeah, I think – one, they should look to step away from Zed handling so much and dodging so much and making him more of a shooter. So uh, that could open up some stuff for them. I mean, he's going to get his opportunities to dodge. And, I mean, being a shooter, you fake some shots, you get those D-men looking stupid, and then you take a nice little hitch dodge or something, let one go, and you got yourself a goal. So 
that's something they can do. But I also think they go and get our Asher Nolting or um, I would love to see Josh Sawada be a senior this year because that would definitely be – I would hate to see him play for the Whip Snakes as a Michigan man, but that's literally like the player they need. He's just a shooter. He doesn't really like to initiate too much, doesn't like to dodge too much. If he could sit on the wing and catch from a guy like Rambo or Zed all day and just rip, he absolutely would. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Next week is the YouTube Big Board Week for your boy and then DJ's actual college knowledge analysis. We were going to do a, a top five, but we'll save it for next week once we actually go with the theme of it. I think it'll make more sense that way because then we kind of know the basis of the content of it. So we'll have a Colin Squire's top five for you guys next week. Um, but last thing to just touch on, the PLL app is here. Let me tell you guys, I, I got luckily enough got invited early to kind of play test with this app. And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Seeing the app full-blown, it's freaking awesome. Download it. It's amazing to see it in the top 10 on the sports app. Uh, app Store was really cool. Um, download the app. It's going to be so useful if you're a PLL fan. Casual, gambling, fantasy, just a fan of the sport for the draft. It, it really checks all the boxes. I'm super impressed by the app. So this is not an ad. But if the PLL wants to pay us to advertise the app, I mean, come through. But uh, this thing's going to be super helpful. It's it's one of those things where it's like we don't have to go to the PLL website anymore on our phones to look up information. It's all on the app. It's super dope. It's super clean. Uh, can't recommend it enough. Yeah, just to let y'all know, I got the plug of the plug. I had it even before KB had it. I was helping put that thing together with all type of recommendations and stuff. I think the league, really, when I got the beta, it was almost pretty much done. It was looking phenomenal. They had to make a few small touches before they kind of put it out to everybody. Um, and there's some other things that they're looking to possibly do, um, more like some customization things to make things better for the individual user on their app. But uh, they haven't gotten too far into that, so I obviously won't put anything out just so I, one, don't put out false information, and two, don't lose uh, <laughs> my spot with with all the, the I did access see that there I've was there was issues, like, people tweeting about it uh, with, like, Android and, like, Google users. I saw they're, they're working on fixing that. So, hey, maybe just get with the times and get an iPhone, you creeps. <laughs> we love you. We love the creeps, but get with the times. But I don't know. Maybe it's something about Google actively looking through their apps and making sure they're legit. That's kind of cool. Very true. Because it seemed like Apple Store put anything up there. Oh, it's an app? All right, bet. We'll throw it on the store. Say less. <laughs> you charge it for this or not? Nah? Okay. All right. We good. <laughs> Say less. We'll hit you up. Uh, but I'm very excited to have this app. I put it right in my little sports folder. It's right there with the rest of my like big time sports app. So go download that thing. And it's right in your face too, because it's yellow. It's great. It's perfect. Um, that's all we got for you guys this week. I know a bit of a longer episode than usual, but hey, it's kind of it's kind of classic. We we were doing two hour episodes for a while. Um, fun to get back at. A fun little late night, John, with you guys. Be sure to follow us on the socials at OTB Laxpod, Twitter, Instagram. Join our Twitter communities. Get in there for the fun discourse this week with the NLL action. Uh, let us know your your hot draft takes coming up for the PLL draft, all that good stuff. Uh, follow DJ on Twitter at SCS underscore next. Great. Follow me at KBIZZL311. 
Check out our website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feeds, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let's say by draft night, DJ, let's get to 125 overall reviews. Let's get there. Let's make that thing happen. We're at 114 overall. Not all of them are five stars because there's some creeps out there. Not the not the good creeps, the bad creeps out there trying to take take us down. But uh, get us to 125. Let's let's boost that thing. It's been over a year since we've had a five star review. Let's get those things cooking again because uh, it really helps more people find the show. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search Underground Sports Philadelphia on YouTube. Hit the like button. Click the bell icon so you don't miss a single episode of any Underground Sports Philadelphia show. And comment all that good stuff. Comment your thoughts on what we talked about this week. Get that discussion flowing in our comment section. We want to have some fun down there. Keep it fun. Don't get crazy, though. Not too wild. Get wild, but not too wild. Uh, But subscribe to the YouTube channel. And, of course, big thanks to our sponsors. Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. I'm going to throw my blue light glasses on right when we get done this to edit and get this thing on YouTube so my eyes don't burn out of my sockets. Go to TomahawkShades.com and use promo code USP to get 25% off your blue light glasses, your sunglasses, all that good stuff. Uh, Kenwood Beer, go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And, of course, the homies over at Bino. Go to BinoBoard.com, that's B-I-N-H-O-B-O-A-R-D.com, and use code BinoUSP for 10% off your order and get set for those tailgate matches coming this PLL season, all you lax dads. It's going to be fun. This has been episode number 219 of the allegedly award-nominated, honorably mentioned, and now viewable on YouTube, Outside the Box Podcast, part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network, For DJ, I'm KB. Till next week, we are getting the hell out of here. Peace.